The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi, this is Sarah Riff, and welcome to Having It All in Other Lies, the podcast where I talk to people I admire about letting go of perfection, embracing the chaos, and redefining what success and happiness look like to them. Because ultimately, the only definition that matters is our own. Happy Wednesday, all you cool cats and kittens. Can you believe it was almost a year ago, you guys, that we watched Tiger King and we first heard that term? What do we think? Does it still work? Can you believe we're still in the house? How are you guys all doing? Listen, there's nothing new about the challenge of transitioning one's home into being a multi-purpose facility meant to house various offices for working from home and, of course, throw in a few classrooms and play areas should you have kids. It was Virginia Woolf who said a woman must have money and a room of her own if she is to write fiction. Well, with all due respect to Virginia, fuck fiction. But what is a woman to have should she just want to maintain her sanity? Whilst locked in the house with her family during a pandemic, San said room. I'm not remotely asking for a friend. It's so me. So literally, if anyone has any suggestions, please do let me know. Well, today is finally the day. No, not just that I'm releasing a highly anticipated new episode, though that too. Today marks the day Joe Biden and the first ever, and I mean ever, female vice president Kamala Harris take office. I think there is going to be major emotions today for everyone. There is excitement, there is fear, there's relief. I intend to be glued to my television, watching the whole thing, sipping on champagne and digging into a celebratory tin of raw caviar from my friend Sarah Meyer's brand, which is so good, by the way, that has been burning a hole in my refrigerator since I got it. But quite frankly, after some of the early goings on in Washington, I haven't felt much like celebrating. So switching gears, today's conversation is with entrepreneur and Press Send podcast host, Shanae Alexander. We talk about taking care of our mental health and reducing the stigma around going on meds if that's what's needed and leaning into empathy towards ourselves and others during this time and always. It was also a good reminder that we can sometimes feel muddled in trying to figure out our calling professionally. And I really like what Shanae said about how watching her mom change careers well into her forties and how that changed all of their lives, not only shifted her perception on the notion of what having it all looked like, but it also emboldened her to the idea that she could try many different paths on her own journey. So having done everything from marketing to event planning, she really suggests crowdsourcing friends who, you know, if they will hold space for you to do that, can often see what we don't see in terms of our own most natural affinities and talents. And sometimes it takes somebody outside to have a clearer view of a situation than you do when you're immersed in it yourself. Ain't that just like life? So I am wishing us all more empathy towards ourselves and others as we continue to just keep swimming in this new year. I hope you guys enjoy and lots of love. Hi, Shanae. How are you? You know, today I feel kind of light. I just got in the mail because we're, I think we're about to go under another like stay at home order. So I just got myself um, a full kit to do gel manicures at home. So I'm taking that like very small joy 
<laughs> to take me throughout my day. So I'm happy today because I'm going to learn how to do manicures on my own. So that's like anticipatory joy. There we go. You are looking forward to something, which is so important. I think that that's like one of the pillars of happiness, right? Is having things to look forward to, like little totally. spurts. I will say, I will say that during the first lockdown, everybody else was like making it into a boot camp. Everyone's like, let's make this boot camp. I'm like, no. I'm still not on that board. Like I'm still not on the thing of like make my living room a home gym, not on that tip. Got the Peloton in the corner. So looking forward to that. What tip are you on? I'm embracing rest. I feel like in my job, your job, most people's lives were going, going, going. And I have the very amazing privilege of being able to work from home. During this time, I know that not everybody can do that. And a lot of people have to go out to work. But it was really disturbing to me actually with work that it was slower. And I, I was like, man, I just wish it was busy again. And I'm like, yes, I may not be making as much like money during this time. But when I think about it, I'm like, man, how many times have I wished for rest? How many times have I wished for things to slow down a little bit? And now it's here and I'm not embracing it. You know, I'm not embracing having more time with my partner. I'm not embracing having more time to do things like read or even do silly things. Like we've been playing like silly, like video games together as uh, my, me and my partner. And there just usually isn't that much time for that. And so I'm really, imp- my, my tip is rest. My tip is learning how to continue to connect with people virtually like we are right now. I've also gotten so close to some of my friends, closer to them during lockdown because I've fully embraced talking on the phone. Right. And not texting and not being so short with people, but actually making plans to check in and to do a virtual drink and to sit and really talk to people and find out how they're doing and how they're coping with everything. And I I see how that can have a lot of benefits on building relationships and strengthening relationships that you already have. So beginning at the beginning, Shanae, first of all, we are finding you in Brooklyn. That's where she is on a sun-flooded fifth-floor apartment. But tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background. I am from Texas. I was born in Korea, moved to Texas. I'm an only child. My mom is a pastor, which is really interesting. That Um, is interesting. Yeah. She's like a female pastor. And my stepdad's actually also a pastor. My dad was an entrepreneur. So that's kind of where I get my entrepreneurial bug from. I wanted to be the next Anna Wintour. So I moved to New York in 2007 and worked at a magazine for a few months and realized that is absolutely not what I wanted to do with my life. The editorial fashion world was just different than what I thought it was going to be. So I literally answered a Craigslist ad. Back then, Craigslist was less creepy than it probably was. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what kind of ad did you answer? (laughs) I answered an ad and now I touch people's feet. No, I- (laughs) Look at no shame. (laughs) Hey, Hey, why not? I answered an ad to be a marketing coordinator and PR coordinator for a luxury furniture design brand and ended up getting the job with like no experience because I basically, I didn't lie in the interview. You were like, uh, not lie. I'm finessing the truth and I was way overconfident on my abilities. Actually, I was the perfect amount of confident because I actually ended up kicking ass at that job and I stayed there for eight years and I ended up being the director. And then my boss kindly fired me and said, you're supposed to be an entrepreneur. I started an event planning company and was also posting on Instagram because 
I was interviewing for a job in social media. I didn't get it. They were like, you have 300 followers and no experience, but I really loved Instagram as like a tool for connection. And I was talking to these 300 people about health and wellness and I really loved it. And so while I was building my event planning business by myself, I was still posting on Instagram. And then two years later, I found myself working two jobs, two full-time jobs, which was taking event planning clients and working in social media. And so I took the leap of faith, stopped taking event planning clients because I can always do that at some other time. And now I work as a content creator and a writer full-time on Instagram, and I'm a podcast host as well. That's amazing. Okay. So growing up, especially, it sounds like you grew up inside the church. You know, one of the things we really like to talk about here is really about creating and building a life that suits us versus the other way around. And I wonder, obviously the life that you're living now feels very different to how you grew up. I wonder if growing up, did you have a sense of what having it all would look like for you or the sort of life that you wanted to design? You know, it's funny because my parents are very, well, my mom, I should say, because I mostly grew up around my mom. She was a single mom from like sixth grade on pretty much. She, we're so different. She's like a pastor, but she also changed careers at 40 to become a pastor. So I was well into my preteen years when my mom changed careers. So what was she doing before that? She was a stay-at-home mom for a while. And then she was also a nutritionist. Okay. And then before that, she was an English teacher in the Air Force, which is how she met my dad. But what was so fascinating actually is my mom changing careers at 40 and us moving to a new city at 40, at her being 40 and all of that, that actually really transformed my belief in what it meant to have it all because I got to see it change on a dime. I was experiencing someone taking risks in front of me with their career, with their life, owning their relationship, owning what being a mom looked like to them. And so it's actually really formative. Although my mom and I are so different, she's very conservative and obviously religious and all of that. That really did shape me. And that has been kind of something that's followed me through my life. And so having it all at that stage was I wanted to move to New York since I was eight years old. I always had someone in my life that said, you can do that. You should follow your dream. You should work really hard to get there, but this is your passion. You can do it. I also thought growing up in Texas that I'd be like married with multiple children by 35 because I saw so many of my peers do that exact thing. So I thought having it all was that. And then I think I moved to New York and I was like bucked that whole system, maybe too hard because then I was like, I convinced myself that New York was the only life. Being single was the only life. Doing it on your own was the only life. The fast-paced industry was the only way. But I'm reformed from that, but not all the way to what I was previously. Wait, that's incredible. So it was kind of like looking back on your old life and the friends from Texas where it was just, you don't know, like we do in New York and I'm oh, yeah. living the single girl dream and I'm a career girl. I live in a walk-up and I've got this life and it's fast-paced. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, I get my cigarettes delivered for 15 bucks. They don't smoke anymore, obviously. But I was like, I get my cigarettes delivered for 15 bucks and I make $28,000 a year and I'm just living the life. <laughs> and I think what you, I think the thing is about New York and about any big city is you kind of almost have to convince yourself there's nothing else so that you stay in it and grind. Oh my God, of course. You're like, sure, I could also live in a home with you know reasonable sized rooms. 
but I choose to live in this closet. Yeah, I chose this life and this life chose me. And we are very happy together. (laughs) Exactly. And I think now I have found a lot of joy in coming back from the extremes of either one and saying there's place for all of this. And I think my attitude then was people are so stupid for like living in the suburbs. People are so stupid for staying in our hometown. And now I'm like, oh yeah, no, not everybody wants this. Not everybody wants to like or 50% of their income into an apartment. And so as I've matured, I've gotten a, a higher respect for people, however they've chosen to live their life. Yeah, well, 100% that. And I think sometimes we equate progress with leaving where we came from and like moving someplace else, doing something else and rejection in a way of your hometown and of the smallness of it. And I'm moving out and I'm going to the big city and I'm going to create this life for myself. And there is a little bit of an easy way to look down on people who feel satiated by that. Like that's enough for them and that somehow it's not enough for you. And somehow that makes you better. And really it doesn't. And we all want different things and what we want will be different over various parts of our lives, just like you're saying. But I'm really intrigued by your mom, who as a single mom, and also it sounds like she was pretty well into her career, decided to transition into being a pastor. Like, is that something where you receive a call from God or is there a higher? Yeah. Did something happen? Yeah. She was like, there was like a call from God. I mean, I don't think it was like- On the phone. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he was like <laughs> texting her or anything, but like- But I think it was like a a feeling inside that she felt compelled to go into ministry. And, you know, I think about, because she always would say my call, my call to ministry, my call to ministry. And I think we're all called to ministry and it's in different ways. Like we're called to ministry in our own life of like different things. And it doesn't have to be faith-based. Like I feel called to do my job now. I felt this is the way life was directing me. And there were people along the way that whispered in my ear and said, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And so when my mom used to say call to ministry, I would kind of roll my eyes internally and be like, okay, what does that even mean? And now I kind of get it. I think we all can get called and it doesn't have to be just in our work. It can be in our family lives or in our, even in like the interests that we take. I think we all have calls that come up within us in our life. And it's just about tuning our ear to it. And so when my mom says call to ministry now, I'm like, yeah, I'm called to Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> How have you found that you have tuned yourself in to being receptive to those messages? I think one of the best things that I ever did was, and this is like a piece of advice I give a lot of people because it really helped me. When there are moments I've been stuck in my life where I wasn't sure what I was good at or what, where I should go or what my direction was, I asked people around me that I really trusted. First, ask them if they can hold space for this, number one, and they, if they want to do this work with you. But second of all, saying, can you please tell me what I'm good at? Where do you see my strength? Where do you find me most compelling? Like, how have I contributed positively to your life? And not in a uh, shower me with compliments sort of way, but really one of the most important things of, of how I've had a career trajectory is I've listened to what people said when they were telling me what I was good at, because sometimes we don't see it. We're not capable of sifting through it. A hundred percent. I wonder what that is. You know, it's like, we really don't see our truest selves and 
I think that people can be clouded by all sorts of different insecurities or preconceived notions of, like you said, you anticipated you were going to become the next Anna Wintour. That was not in the cards for you, whether no. it sounded like, actually, sometimes it's easy to romanticize what something looks like. And that's something I love delving into on the podcast too, is speaking to a lot of people who have these lives that look very golden from the outside and nothing is without an incredible amount of hard work and tenacity and time and energy. And I think it's important too, that people are honest about what everything entails, because if we only see the highlight reel of it all, it really diminishes some of the effort that's put into it. And also I think like you, you know, a lot of people walk down a path that really isn't suited for them, but maybe had someone been a little bit more open with what that really looked like. Absolutely. And I think the main thing for me has been, it's very hard for me to be flexible because I'm just like a planner to the max. But I think the flexibility of your, your life track a little bit is important, especially in times like this. So for me, my main backbone of everything I've ever done is I'm passionate about people. So really, I haven't done anything that was off that track, but that was the backbone of everything. So when I was even working in magazines, I loved the people aspect of it. Like that was the thing I was passionate about. Then I moved to a marketing thing. My favorite thing in PR was talking to people, connecting people in the same room. Like that was my passion. Then I moved to event planning. I loved celebrating people. And now I talk to people about their lives and I talk about maybe people that don't have representation and bringing them to light. I talk to people about their bodies and and how they're seen in the world and how they see themselves. And so for me, the undercurrent that I couldn't see that other people could see was a passion for people. And that will follow me no matter what the iteration looks like. And I think sometimes we can't see it because we're in it. You know, we're, we're, we're in the thick of it. And so it's very oh, hard to parse it out. We are in the thick of it right now. We're That's in the thick sure. of it. We are in it for sure. 2020, we are all in it. But I think it's also important that we remember also to learn to go with the flow a little bit and to understand that right now we can't hold on to anything too tightly because everything is changing day to day. And I I love that that's something that you saw your mom do early on in your life because that informs your openness and willingness within yourself to be open to new opportunities. I think as far as designing a life, so many of us grew up with parents who stuck to one thing for their whole lives people go down a path that doesn't even have to be professional. That could be a relationship, a marriage, living somewhere, their professional endeavor. That's just singular. And people, there's a lot of fear, I think, in moving around and and the unknown. And it, it sounds like you got to the other side of that. And that's been a really positive experience for you. Yeah. I always wonder, and I'm curious what you think, how much of who we are like what parts nurture and what parts nature. And like, I always think like, okay, if my parents didn't move every three years of my life, if my parents hadn't gotten a divorce, if it, if my mom hadn't pursued a different career, if my dad had been home and not an entrepreneur and he'd been more, you know, a stable kind of like job, would I be doing what I'm doing now? I don't know. I think it's a combination of both because on one hand, as a mom, I could say that I think that children come out as formed little beings, the way that they are, that sometimes has nothing to do with anything else. They just are who they are. And that's one of the most kind of beautiful and exciting parts of raising small humans. And one of the things 
that I've read and I'm paraphrasing, but it's something like sometimes the hardest thing to do is just to let them be themselves. Mm. As parents, we want to project a lot of our own desires and hopes and dreams and, you know, weird things onto our kids. And then on the other side, you know, there's the idea that in a preordained way, you pick the family and you pick the partner and you pick the friends who will challenge you and help you to sort of solve whatever needs solving within you or whatever journey you need to go on. And had you been in a different scenario, would you have the courage and the chutzpah, like you said, I didn't say lying, I said finessing of the truth, you know, (laughs) to have that confidence in yourself. So I really think it's a combination of both. What do you think? I think so too. It's just something I always think about and then I have an existential crisis and then I'm like, okay, let me have a glass of wine because this is like a lot to think about. But but I, I think the combo of both takes a little bit of the pressure off parenting. Obviously, like every parent's trying to put their kids through the least amount of trauma and give them the most amount of benefit. But certainly like, I don't think it's all dependent on your parents, but you know, environment does have a lot to do with who we are. Okay, so now that you're settled into leaving behind event planning and you're kind of shelving that for a minute with the confidence of knowing that you can go back to that at any point, what has the journey been like for you into content creation and to creating a community? And was that something that you felt was particularly akin to your personality beforehand? Were you always, I know you love people, but were you always someone who felt comfortable sharing in that medium? Or did that take a little bit of getting used to for you? You know, Sarah, I think I feel a little too comfortable, you know, to be honest, like, like it's not, it's not because, um, I'm an oversharer. I just, I've done a lot of work on like shame and my own life. And I don't, don't feel ashamed of a lot, but I think that's really been to my benefit. I think that's like my magic wand online. A lot of people ask me, Oh, how do I become an influencer? How do I get followers or whatever. And I said, first of all, you're building a community. Second of all, right. You need to not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get the vernacular. Yeah. That's first of all, people are like, how do I make money online? I'm like, you will never be successful in this business for the long term If that is the focus of what you're doing. I think the reason I've had a moderate success in this job is because I never came in with the mindset that this was a job. Mm Mm-hmm. I just liked sharing. I never thought I would do this as work. I just thought I was showing up online and talking to people because I liked it. And then I genuinely, I never followed fashion bloggers. I never was into the blogging community. I was never, I'm still really not a person that follows influencers unless I'm friends with them or I find what they're doing like different or inspiring, like something that really provides me as a person value. I don't follow people because they're known, you know? Right. So it's been interesting because I share everything within reason, because I want people to feel like not alone in their life. But I also don't see a ton of like people with big platforms talking about things that could result in hate, rude comments that open them up to just the opinions of the world. But you don't see people exposing themselves to those things or talking, or you you think people tend to play it a little bit more safe. Yes. I think people play it safe. I think, you know what? I think one thing about this year is I think the, the like cream has come to the top and you're able to see who's willing to talk about what I think this year was the year that you, you can't ignore 
that there are issues in the world that need to be spoken on bigger than like what your outfit of the day is. And I, I think people that consume content online can see that. And to me, like, of course, everyone has their reasons of what they share. My platform has always been topics that are, I don't want to say deep, but a little bit more deep in the sense of like, it's not just solely like aesthetics or skincare or like those things. We're talking about a lot of like more kind of like heavy issues. So I always say that I feel like I'm doing the right thing if I have a pit in my stomach when I share something. What do you think is something that you recently shared that gave you a pit in your stomach? Literally today, actually, I wrote something and it was a different kind of pit than like a dread that people would judge me for it. It was more, will people be interested in this? I was talking about the cancellation of student loan debt and that might happen and that people's response in the Twitter zeitgeist was to say, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. I didn't get that. I don't want people to have that. And that really like hit me the wrong way because I was like, since when do we live in a society that progress doesn't happen because there wasn't fairness? And I got really passionate about talking about it. And there were plenty of people that disagreed with me. There, you know, there were plenty of people that were like, I had to pay for my college. Everyone should have to pay for their college. There were a, a lot of opinions, but to me, the, the thing I wanted to write about was empathy and how empathy can be wielded as an ax to cut someone's head off or it can protect people. So for me, it was like, where is the empathy in our world where we say, okay, I've known that. So I don't want you to go through that versus I've been through that and you should have to experience the same pain I went through because somehow that's leveling the playing field. And I was talking about this and it's not something that, like I talk about activism and politics and all that stuff a lot and emotions on my Instagram, but I was like, is this going to resonate? And let me tell you, it was one of the more conversational posts I've had in a long time. People really cared. People felt really passionate. People shared it widely. And so I think from these moments as like learning lessons of if there's something in you, and this isn't just for Instagram, this is for life. If something in you bubbles up and you have a little bit of fear in there, it's probably a good thing mm -hmm. in life with just like standing up for people, speaking out, doing the right thing in your job, whatever your job may be, putting yourself out there and the vulnerability piece, that is scary, but it is fruitful. And do you feel like through your community, you have had the ability to find healing within yourself as well through some of your own journeys? 100% because I think at the end of the day, like I don't show up so other people don't feel alone only. I show up so I don't feel alone in a lot of the things that I've gone through. Like today I shared that I was like getting back on anxiety medication because this year has just been a lot. And you wouldn't believe the amount of people that were like, thank you, because I'm feeling like I need to get back on medication or thank you, I've been on medication and it's nice to see someone that has like an ideal looking life also right. dealing with, with mental health. And I, I know in those moments that we need each other. It's not that they need me to tell them it's okay. It's I need them because honestly, I was being like, oh man, that sucks. I have to get back on medication. Like it's disappointing for me. Like it felt like a failure in some way or why did it suck? Yeah, because I've been on medication before and I've come off of it and I've learned to like take care of my mental health with other means. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, you feel like it's a little failure, but then I have to remind myself that society's crap, not my, that's not reality. Like the reality is, is we would never say that to someone that needed medication for an illness. 
And you would never say that to me, probably, if I said to never. you. Of course. But we're so much harder on ourselves than we are on other people. And I think, like you're saying about this sort of synergistic relationship with your community, is actually you're learning about yourself in the process and also making a situation that feels scary to you. You're reminded through... I think through sharing the experience, how similar we all are, right? Like, so there's oh so many things that can feel divisive right now. And in this year, they have, like you said, the cream has rise to the top as far as the dissimilarities or rather the division between this country in such a palpable way. But ultimately at our core, we're all very similar people and we're all dealing with the same issues. And you and I have spoken about this separately, that to try to normalize anything we're feeling in a time that's nothing like normal is really setting ourselves up for failure and disappointment and and to be hard on ourselves for seeking out a way to alleviate some of that tension. What is the medicine there for if not to take? You know, I don't know why there's right. such a stigma around it. Right. It was funny. I don't know. I put up a story like a couple hours ago and I've probably gotten like 30 messages of people being like, I'm so afraid to take medication because I'm afraid of what people will think of me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like that still exists like in 2020, it's mind boggling to me, but it shows me that we have our work cut out for us. You know, we have our work cut out for us as people that have platforms and have space to speak. My job isn't to tell people how to live, but it is to live by example and to show up as myself and as my full self, as my true self that is not always perfect very rarely perfect. And when something is like perfectly done, I rarely get any response from it. But whenever I admit when I messed up or when I don't have like the perfect moment or things are tricky, I think that's what actually connects with people. And I think we got to remember that because we try so hard to be perfect, to be able to connect when truthfully our imperfection is the thing that's like the glue that holds us together. And I have to remind myself of that all the time. I think perfection is very subjective, right? Like what's going to strike me. And I think ultimately it comes down to an element of control and feeling out of control and wanting to be able to control all the elements so that you feel that you have more of a sense of ownership over everything than ultimately perhaps we do. And I think it's interesting that you're saying too, even as far as taking anti-anxiety medicine or whatever it is, is that through sharing that, if we can all be a little bit less aggressive with our expectation of ourselves and have more kindness and empathy for ourselves, then I think we would be in a lot better situation than we are. And I think when we start to have more empathy for ourselves and more compassion for ourselves, we can then extend that to others. The way that we are right now as people, like I want to cry. It's seeing people at each other's throat over everything is extremely hard to witness. And being on social media, I see it more than most because I see the uptick in people's vocal violence against each other. I see how people are on edge. I see people's struggle. I see people's heartache up close. And man, like when we don't have that empathy or or compassion for ourselves, it's really, really hard to give it to others. It's really hard. It's one thing, like you said, to have a difference of opinion, but do you find that you get a lot of spiteful or hateful commentary from people? I don't, but I would say before COVID and before kind of like 
actually before like the last two years, I probably got like 10 rude comments in the history of Instagram. So that, that's not a lot. That's like what most creators get in an hour. But I have seen an uptick and it's not even in mean. So, so people aren't coming on being like, you're ugly or something stupid. Like it's not, it's not insulting. It's this quickness to be sharp, this quickness mm-hmm. to judge, this quickness to you're doing that wrong. You're doing this wrong. You said this wrong. I know better. And I think it's because no one knows what the hell they're doing or what the hell's going on. And so it feels better to point than to look in the mirror. It was very interesting navigating all the kind of like happenings with activism and BLM and everything that happened this summer. Also, I never thought I'd have to report on a pandemic activism and then also reporting from the sidelines of an election. Never thought that that would be part of my job description even in talking about something as simple as Black Lives Matter, the amount of hate that that stirred up, I was just like, whoa, where were you hiding? I've talked about activism my whole career online. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. There's been some vitriol in the, in the comments, for sure. Aimed at you in terms of bringing awareness to things, taking a stand to the movement as a whole. Yeah, to the movement's... I mean, with the election, honestly, my community is very liberal, most of them. But I mean, there were some people that were just like, screw you, don't talk about politics. I'm like, yeah, no, that's never going to be the case here. So if you don't like it, you can see your way out. It's fine. I don't get offended by that sort of stuff. But I do think that for some people, Instagram particularly is a safe space where they don't have to think about the world. And unfortunately, I'm not going to protect that for people. I'm not going to save that space for people. What I will do is I will show up and do my best to tell you what's really going on in the world or share my opinions on it. And I encourage people to do that. But for me, my platform is not about living in a bubble. Right. I understand everything that you're saying. I think that, you know, the problem, I mean, there's so many problems, but I think especially in the last nine months is that there's so much pain and there's so much uncertainty. And like you said, I think that that first and foremost, you have a lot of people who are showing their true colors behind the safety of their laptop, right? Like in, in a way that they would never have a conversation with somebody. Never. And also, like you said, you do have a platform and I think so that can be met with a lot of different responses from people and you're choosing to share your life. And that is going to elicit different responses in people as well. You know, like the thing that you're talking about with the student loans, well, that's just crazy. Obviously, we don't want everybody to have to go through everything that we've gone through, but I'm sure that there's plenty of different perspectives on it. But like, forget about society, but when has life ever been fair? Like, that's the first thing that I tell Mm. my little kids. Yeah. Anytime that they say to me, well, that's not fair. It's like, well, life is not fair. So definitely get accustomed to that. Yeah. So it's so funny that even today that people would be standing on the virtue of fairness. Yeah. And also like, if we want to talk about fairness, then we also need to talk about the systems that built all of this and we go into it and then, you know, it's like, well, you know, often the people that are asking for fairness hold a lot of privilege as well. And so it's having those discussions, you know what, this has been the hardest year I have had being a content creator, being, you know, a writer, it's been extremely, you know, of course, dealing with my own 
anguish surrounding what's going on, but then also having to communicate that to others and experience it at the same time. But it has been the most gratifying experience of my life, being able to be with people during that. Right. And I'm sure it's expanded a little bit of your sensibilities too. And also in a way, we probably for the most part surround ourselves with fairly like-minded friends. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes within family, there can be some disconnect in terms of how people feel on different values, et cetera. But normally we seek out friends who have similar core values as we do. And I think what you're doing, which is cool and also is like a great growth opportunity is to expand your horizons in terms of the amount of opinions and perspectives that you're exposed to through actual dialogue within the community versus you preaching to people about how you think things should be. And I think by virtue of you saying that this has been one of the more rewarding aspects of the job during an otherwise very tumultuous year just reinforces that, that there's tremendous growth and that's not always going to be comfortable, but it's always going to be important, obviously for progress. Absolutely. And I think I'm quick to say this year has been hard, but a lot of things in life have been challenging and have been formative. And, you know, it's like rocks under pressure. That's when gems come. And and I don't love that we've had to go through this. Obviously, I would never wish this again on us. But the point is, is we can we can learn from this. And I've learned from this. Hi, guys. I'm Caitlin Carter, host of the Bright Side podcast. I created the show as a space for people who have had an impact in my life to further inspire others through their stories, their honesty, their kindness, and optimism. Each week, I'll be sitting down with inspiring friends, new and old, who have meaningful conversations centered around our own experiences with complete transparency and authenticity. We will discuss how we face challenging moments, adjust perspective, and reframe situations to find the silver lining. I personally believe that there is a bright side to every situation, and I'm excited to have this platform to encourage that way of thinking and share this message with you all. New episodes come out on Tuesdays, so come join me and start your week on the bright side. What do you think for people who are interested in pursuing something similar to what you're doing? Obviously, you said you're you're kind of like your intention needs to be in the right place in terms of being organic and being communicative in a way that's real and not in an effort to just create a brand or to make money. But what are some of the more challenging aspects of what you do that you hadn't anticipated? I think be ready to have people living your daily life with you. They People notice everything. You have to really be open to letting people into your life. So if you are a person that wants to kind of keep barriers up around yourself, it's extremely hard to do this job and it might not resonate with people because they will feel that. I think keeping yourself open for critique is always hard, but I think that's in any job. Keeping yourself open for critique is difficult. I have crushing blows of wondering if I ever will be able to write anything ever again. Uh, That happens about once a week. I'm like, I have nothing to say. I've written over 3000 pieces of content. They are all long-winded. I have nothing more in my brain to share. And then it kind of bubbles to the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it bubbles to the top. But I think think any creative, any artist, any person struggles with, is there an end to my creativity argument? And then I think also like the unknown is really hard for me in this career of not knowing what's next. Will Instagram still be a thing? Will social media ultimately be a detriment to our society over what's good for our society? Will I be relevant in three years? I don't know. But going back to what we talked about in the beginning, my through line is people. So my 
plan that I would like to do after Instagram is I would love to be a real estate agent or a therapist or both. Those are things that I find interesting to, to me. And I think, especially with the uncertainty of this kind of career, always having an eye on like, where do I want to grow next is important. Right. And always pursuing the things that interest you as far as obviously having to, to keep things super transparent. Are there ever days where you're like, I don't want to share anything today. Is that something that you ever wake up with a sense of dread in terms of having the thing that used to be fun become laborious and become part of the job? Does that ever happen? Yes, all the time. And I try to take breaks from it. There are content creators that are machines and they're pumping out content 24 seven every day. There are multiple posts and they always have to be on stories and everything from their day gets documented. And I find when I do that, my relationships suffer. I was going to ask about your actual relationship because I think it's hard to, I know for me, and I'm not a big content creator and certainly like I could, there's a lot I could learn and be better at. And it's not something that I have ever really put a tremendous effort into, but also it feels sometimes at odds with what you're doing, right? Like, so it's like, if you're actually enjoying the experience, it takes you out of that experience to somehow record that experience, share that experience, filter that experience, et cetera. So then it begs the question you're sharing, but is that a a true representation of what's going on? And then I know you live with your partner. Is he ever like, Sinead, put the phone down. I'm actually like the opposite. Like it's more that people on Instagram are like, what are you doing? Because Mm -hmm. like, I'm the opposite with that. So when I'm with my partner, unless like we, like maybe we'll be like walking somewhere and I'll film a quick story of us talking or whatever, or he's really funny. So we'll do like a little funny thing at home or if we're training our dog or something silly like that. But I am not on my phone when I'm around my partner really. And usually I create boundaries. And I think this is smart for anyone, not for a content creator, just for life. I'll say, Hey, I have a ton of DMs to get through, or I have a ton of emails that I need to get to. I'm going to sit here for 15 minutes and then I'm going to put my phone away and focus. There's like an end point. My, you'll notice if you ever watch my Instagram stories, if anyone does, my Instagram stories basically like stop at 7 p.m. Right. And then there's no, nothing till the next morning. And it's not like, I don't even have to do it that intentionally. I legit don't want to be on my phone when I'm around people. Often when I have people over, whatever, huge stretches of time where I'm not on my phone. And the thing is, is I will never sacrifice what's happening in real life for what it appears to be online. And maybe that's why I am not one of the biggest content creators online, but that will never be my guiding focus. And I would say creating boundaries, even with my audience has been really important because people be like, well, can you link it? Can you send it? Can you do this? Can you do this? Well, not right now. I'm doing something else. Right. You talk on your platform a lot about self-confidence and body positivity. And as someone who is a human and also on Instagram, do you find that, are you able to kind of stay in your lane and and stay focused on what you're doing? Or do you get those same sort of, not pits in your stomach, but sometimes those feelings of inadequacy or like comparative, disparative of it all? Yes. For me, it's less about what opportunities someone is getting. I don't care about that. Like if someone gets 900 brand deals, I'm like, good for you. Mm -hmm. That's maybe makes me like a terrible content creator is I don't care to grow my audience from where it is now. If it happens, 
that's fine. It is not something I'm actively, it's not like one of my yearly goals. It's deepening rather than widening for me. The one thing I will say that I start to compare myself is in that thing that we just talked about with the amount of content people are churning out. But then I have to go back to a place of saying like, do I want to write one impactful thing that means something to me or five things that fill space? And if there are people that can write five things that are impactful, and there are people that do this, I'm like, way to go. I can't do that. But for me, I don't want to just take up space on the internet. And so I have to talk myself down from that because it doesn't feed me. So I have to sometimes talk myself down from the like, am I relevant? Am I posting enough? Am I doing enough? I don't need to be the next TikTok star. And I talk myself and I'm just like, okay, you have your podcast. You love your podcast because you love to talk to people and you love to bring other people in front of your community. You talk to these people that you see every day on Instagram and you love that. You write things that you feel passionate about. You share things that make you laugh. That's good. So now, obviously, you are living the Brooklyn dream that you'd hoped. You're a content creator. You're an entrepreneur. Do you think that your vision for what having it all looks different today? Yeah, because when I was younger, I thought that I would finally be happy if I stayed in one place. I would be happy if I got the job I wanted and all of that. And I realize now that I am, I've lived in New York for the longest I've ever lived anywhere. I have a loving partner and I have the relationship that I want. I have a job that I love, but like the real thing that gives seasoning to my life is that I've been able to like maintain my relationships and really feed into those relationships and the relationship with myself. And so like, actually none of the stuff that I thought would ever make me happy makes me that happy. It it definitely like fills your life out. But the things that really feel like I'm having it all are is the the depth of my relationships, the community that I've built, the knowing people. That's actually been like the most life-giving. Like I always wanted to like make money. I've made money. I'm kind of like, I don't really care about this. I always wanted to have a beautiful apartment. I love my apartment, but it's fine. I could live somewhere else. So, you know, you always look over the fence and see what someone else has and then you get it and you're like, wow, the thing that really actually matters I've had all along. Right. I think that that's, you know, it's only sometimes through arriving to that place though, that you're able to see that you were already where you wanted to be, you know, and we project so much happiness and project so much almost peace when and if and around and when this happens. And ultimately, the through line that I hear from so many people is all of those additives, really, ultimately, it's just noise. Yeah, the most blatant example of that, and it's the most concrete, literal example that I've ever experienced, but it, it, it resonates all throughout life, is I went through like a weight loss journey. And so I was 225 pounds and ended up losing 70 pounds. And I always thought if I lost 70 pounds and I was just like super miss athletic, what have you, that I would finally feel comfortable. And I use this example a lot. And it's actually the most critical I've ever been about my body. It was the most down I've ever been about how I felt about myself. It was the time that I I questioned myself worth the most. And so I I use that as a metaphor for everything now. You're right. We build so much up around the story of what our life looks like when we get our goal, whether that's weight, job, relationship, 
and that story is often fiction, <laughs> you know, like we're making that up so that we get motivated to get there. And then we arrive and this deep disappointment can set in because our, our story doesn't live up. So I, I never want to, again, discount all the feelings in between, all the time in between, all the things that you have to go to through to get to that end story because you don't really even know where you're going. You might think you do, but you have no idea. A thousand percent. And like you said, and this is, feels so trite to say the journey is the destination, but I think sometimes the efforts and the planning and the anticipatory joy, just like whether that's for you going on a health and weight loss mission or learning to paint your fucking nails with gel manicure. Exactly. Honestly, all have the same thing. It's just like a little bit of like, you know what? I'm excited to learn about this. I'm going to try that. We're going to love your manicure when you do it, but something about this feeling right now and looking forward to it, I have learned is the most powerful of those feelings. So, well, thank you so much for sharing with us. I really appreciate all your honesty and candor. And then I want to ask you a couple of fun questions. Let's do it. So we have a segment called The Riff, which is, this could be a service, a product, a practice, something that you do in your life. I saw you sipping on a very large jug of water, so I don't know if it's hydration, but something that you do that you have found makes your life exponentially easier, better, what have you. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about a service that I actually just discovered. Yes. For the longest time, I told you I was I took anti-anxiety meds several years ago and then I got off of them and I had been hesitating to like oh, I have to find a psychiatrist, I have to do the whole thing. I was like this sucks. I, it's like making this thing worse. So I get online, I'm like looking up what I need to do and the sponsored thing pulls up for this company called Hers. They have hers and hymns, but they are a service that has like a bunch of different things. They have like hair loss stuff. They have mental health stuff. They have sex stuff. But anyway, you do a quick telehealth. It's, they don't take insurance, but it's extremely well-priced. And then they, they can diagnose you just like a psychiatrist would. And it, I was like a two or three day turnaround to get the medication that I knew I needed. They're extremely thorough. I did a lot of research in this because I was like, how is this legit? But it's telehealth. It's what we're all doing now. And for me, I was like, wow, this is such an important service for people that can't get over that mental hump of being like, uh, I know I need medication, but I don't know how to go about it. I'm afraid. It takes a little bit of the stigma out of it. And, you know, obviously they're doctors, they're not going to just prescribe to anyone. So it's like a really like thoughtful process. But from start to finish, I felt really taken care of. And I was like, I love that this is serving a need for people, but then also reducing stigma in the kind of mental health space. So I was really, really impressed. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so we talk a lot about having it all, but what have you had enough of? I have had enough of people complaining about being inside. <laughs> Honestly, I like, there's so many rants about like, uh, like I just want this to be over. And I'm like, yeah, we all want it to be over. Like we get it like enough, like negativity about it. Let's just get through this and like, shut up and like do what we're supposed to do. Love each other, figure it out. I'm just the quarantine fatigue. I understand it and I feel it too, but I'm also like, this is the reality. Embrace reality. I think there's not enough of embracing reality right now of like, have empathy for others, do what you're supposed to do so we can get through this and move on with our life. Amen, sister. All right, so you already talked about finessing the truth earlier, Sinead, but 
When, you know, we talk about lies and other lies, you know, are there any occasion on which you think it's okay to lie? I think it's okay to lie about or hide things that would hurt someone unnecessarily. Like for me, like someone said something really rude about you. I don't feel the need to to share that with. Who was it? I'll kill them. Yeah. Well, we're gonna kill them <laughs> together. Um, but like things like that, like to spread ugliness in the name of truth, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I also think with your partner, I think you should be really open. But I think there are things that you can keep for yourself, and like moments in your life that you can keep for yourself. So I appreciate having like a secret single life, not in like a I'm cheating on you way, but in a I keep some moments just for me. Yeah, keep the mystery alive. And also yeah. that that's your own space. I fully get that. Yes, I think that's so important. But blatant lying, I don't really do that because I'm I'm a little too good at it, Sarah. So oh I boy. actually don't I don't do it because I, I know my powers. Well, watch <laughs> out for all of Shanae's blatant lies. If you're interested in any of those blatant lies, where can we follow you? You can follow me at Shanae Alexander. It's just C-H-I-N-A-E Alexander on Instagram and all the things. And then I have a podcast, which Sarah was just on. So go listen to the episode. It's a great episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. It is called Press Send. It features lots of luminaries like myself. Yep. And uh, we talk, we, we give advice to people about their lives. It's so fun to like debate people's interpersonal lives. Yeah, honestly, like that was such a fun exercise for me. So I'm down <laughs> I'm down for anybody else to send me some advice questions. I'm into it. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Stay safe, stay well, stay vibrant, stay healthy. Thank you for having me on. Of course, I will talk to you soon. That's it for today's episode of Having It All and Other Lies. I've been having so much fun talking to and learning from all these amazing women, and I hope you're enjoying it too. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, and also follow along at Having It All Podcast and swing on over to my page at Sarah underscore Riff. I love hearing from you guys, so please keep up the DMs and emails. And if there's anyone that you want to hear from, let us know. Having It All and Other Lies is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Bigas. See you next week.